Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. That's the chatterbox. It's the talking. It's the talking you just can't silence. It's that voice that you hear when you're on a run, all right, when you're in the shower, when you're going to work. Some of y'all went to bed with the chatterbox in your brain. Some of you woke up with it, all right, saying all kinds of nonsense. You don't matter. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you. He doesn't have a plan for your life. The chatterbox is the voice, right on, that you hear when you walk by the mirror and it says, hey, look at that muffin top. And you're like, well, I was having a good day until you pointed out, hey, look at those wrinkles. Look at the gray hair coming in, right on. That is the chatterbox. It can just ruin something real fast. The chatterbox is the voice when you go to school to pick up the kids. You hear the voice starting to say stuff like, those other moms are better. They're more patient. They read more to their kids. They're in a better neighborhood. Their car doesn't make that weird noise that your car makes. All right? They're, they're better parents. You're never going to be as good as them. Why are you trying? Just give up, fool. Throw in the towel. That is a chatterbox. A chatterbox is a thing you hear when you want to make that move. You want to go back to school or start the business. Or you own a business, you run the business, and you have an idea to expand. And it says, that ain't never going to work. Loser. It'll fail just like everything else. All those people depend on you. You're going to risk it for what? Are you serious? Have you lost your mind? That is the chatterbox. It doesn't shut up, even if you really, really want it to. So this is week five. This is the end of the series. But if you want to check out more, you can go to SoundCloud or Google Play or iTunes and check out the rest because it's been a challenging series for me. And I hope God has spoken to you as well on this topic. The point is this. The chatterbox causes anxiety. It causes stress. It makes the heart rate go up a little bit, right? You're, you're, you're trying to grind your teeth a little. It kind of gets in your head. It stresses you out. That is a chatterbox. That's what it does. And so I, I, um, on Instagram this week, I made a little poll, okay? And I did on Instagram story. I said, hey, um, what, what gives you anxiety? And I, I was amazed at how many dozens of people answered. People said work. People, some of them were funny. Some of them were like um, checking my bank account after going to Target, I know you got the red card. Some of y'all said when you get the Amazon, the Amazon box just shows up and you're like, I, did I order something? And you open it and you're like, oh yeah, I did order that. I completely forgotten. That stresses you out a little bit. Um, what else did y'all say? Um, the, the Redskins in the off season, uh, UVA football roster. Um, th- there's a lot of things that you said stress you out, but some were heavy. Some were heavy. Some were like, am, are, am I ever going to get married? All right. Um, some are financial. Will we ever get ahead? Will we ever feel like we're not drowning in debt or in bills? So, some of it was some heavy stuff. Okay, some really heavy stuff. And I noticed a trend. The majority of it had to do with the future. It had to do with tomorrow. It didn't have to do with the here and now. It was worrying about my kids growing up. They're off at college. They're doing this. They're doing that. The majority of it had to do with the future. With the future. The future is a scary place. And the chatterbox loves to speak to it. What's great, though, is Jesus had a lot to say about anxiety, about worry, about fear. I'm going to read you today one of the most famous passages on anxiety in all of the Bible. Jump with me to Matthew 6, 25. If you have version, the free app, you can follow along there. You can check us out there. Our church is on it, meaning we have the scripture for you, some notes. You can just take little notes if you want. Um, there's free uh, Bible plans, free reading plans. There's free devotionals. We highly recommend it. That is version. Or you could just look up right behind me. 
This is Jesus, Matthew 6, 25. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Sounds easy, right? Let's just call it a day. He said, don't worry, so let's just stop. Let's call it a day. Let's go home. Let's figure out whatever you were going to do and go do it. Go to Trader Joe's. Go to Target. Go get your mimosa flight or whatever the plan is. Maybe you're getting a man-mosa flight. Have y'all heard of these? I don't know. Hey, go, go for it. You do whatever you want to do. But Jesus said, don't worry. It sounds simple. Let's just go with that. I'm being a little sarcastic. It sounds simple. But when someone says, don't worry about it, don't think about pink giraffes. Each and, each and every one of you has a pink giraffe in your head. The more I say, don't think of purple elephants. You just can't help it. The more you say, don't worry, don't think about it, the more it comes into your head. So what are we going to do about this? Jesus said, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't have a 401k with a match. They don't have a pantry full of delicious Trader Joe's food or your Whole Foods delivery that you just figured out how to work. That's pretty cool. They don't have any of that. They don't have any of that. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? Meaning, you worry a lot. How is it working? Right? Are you getting more sleep? Is it strengthening your relationships? Do you have a better marriage as a result? Are you closer to God? He's being a little sarcastic here. But worrying really doesn't get us anywhere. I read, I read through that really fast. We're going to slow down. We're going to take it piece by piece. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Father God, I ask you to meet us here. God, we come to you burdened. God, not one of us comes to you without a fear deep down or an anxiety or a worry or a stressor. God, maybe it was today. Um, maybe it was this week. Maybe you're on the brink of a divorce. Or you were just worried as you went out the door. How am I going to pay those bills? How am I going to have that conversation? What am I going to do with this or that? God, I ask you to meet us here. God, challenge our thinking. Father, strengthen us and may we learn something today. We love you, God. In your son's good name we pray. Amen. So if you happen to look in a Bible or an app or anything, um, or maybe you've read your Bible before, but some of them have little, little titles, right? Mine says, do not worry. That's the title of this little passage. If only it were so easy. Does anybody have on your phone, like the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, do not disturb button. You have that? I don't know why I'm calling it a button. It's definitely not a button. You know what I mean, the feature right on. Anybody have airplane mode? Isn't it nice when you don't want to be disturbed just to hit that? And you're done. No one's calling you. No one's texting you. No one's bothering you. You can just have some peace. Don't you wish we had something like that for stress? You had a long day at the office, you get home, you wish you, wish you could just turn off your brain. I'm done. Boom. Don't want to think about it, don't want to worry about it, don't want to stress about it until tomorrow. I wish we had that button. Have you ever laid in bed at night thinking of something? Have you ever laid in bed at night thinking of something that you cannot control? If, if that's you, would you just put your hand up real quick? Let's see who's honest in the house, right on. It's the most of us. It's the most of us. It's near impossible to stop. You can't stop listening, you can't stop thinking, you can't stop wondering so what's the what's the point what do you got for me jesus what's the advice verse 25 let's dig in a little slower jesus said therefore i tell you somebody say therefore therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes say it again say therefore that's where the whole paragraph started 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. But you don't start a thought with therefore, right? You don't start a new paragraph, new sentence. You don't lead with therefore. Therefore is a closer. He's sealing the deal. But for some reason, the division seems a little off in my Bible. The, 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 uh, the placement is a little weird. So my wife and I have been married since 2012, but we've been dating for over 10 years. Isn't that cool? That's a cool thing. We just realized that. The 27th was 10 years we've been together. We're excited about that. But So I, I shouldn't be giving dating advice because I've been out of the game for a decade. But, but if you wanted to spit some game, right, and you wanted to meet a girl at the gym or in front of the Duck Donuts area, okay, I'm watching you, okay, or I don't know where you even online, I don't know how it works. If you wanted a date and you wanted to go ask her, Let, let's go out tonight, you wouldn't start with this. You wouldn't go up and say, therefore, I think we should go out tonight. Therefore what? Like, not nice to meet you, not I'm free, not I have this thing. No, no, no. You don't start with therefore. It sounds silly, but when we read this passage, and some of us have read this hundreds of times, it starts with therefore. He's actually closing an argument. That word therefore in Greek is three letters, dia. Delta, iota, alpha, dia. It means therefore, on account of, because of. And we need to look back on what he's, what he's saying. Therefore What? So let's look to the verse prior. This is verse 24. We don't read this verse as much because I think it's a little more complicated. It's a little more challenging. Verse 24. This is the thing that he said. And then after this, he said, therefore, don't worry. 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or you cannot serve both God and worldliness. Our anxiety comes from out-of-place priorities. That's where it comes from. If you're like, why am I worried? Why am I fearful? Why am I stressed all the time? It's because your priorities are out of whack. He's saying, well, you are like a servant with two bosses. You're like a person who goes to work and you have two superiors, right? Two supervisors. Have you ever been in that position? You know how frustrating it is? One says, hey, first thing Monday, I need you to do this. And the other one says, well, first thing Monday, I need you to do that. And you feel like you're being pulled all these different directions. That's what Jesus says each and every one of us are like. The chatterbox is talking. The voices are coming, and we don't quite know who to listen to, whose voice is most important. I have a lot of friends in the military, and we have small groups here at this church, and I've been in many groups with military folks. And I've learned something about military folks is they, they, they speak in code even when they don't mean to. Everything's in abbreviation. It's like 10 letters. And they're carrying on. And I'm in the back like, I'm Googling it. What, what, what does that mean? I learned something else about military folks. Sometimes they've explained to me how stressful it is if one boss is saying this and one boss is saying that. You don't know who to answer to. And that's how it is in life. But I think what it might come down to, who you listen to, if you're like, who, do, should I listen to this person or that person? I think you need to look at the rank. Who's really the boss? Who actually could let me go? Who actually do I need to report to? Jesus is saying we have multiple voices telling us to do things. We don't know where to turn. We don't know who's first. It's the chatterbox. Before you can have peace, you need to figure out the order of priorities in your life. Somebody say priorities. For hundreds of years, the word priorities was singular. Priority. Priority means first. But the ironic thing is we say, I've got five priorities today. What you just said was, I have five firsts. You can't have five firsts. If I may quote the modern day philosopher, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) 
he once said, if you ain't first, you're last. And that doesn't make any sense. But he's got kind of a point. There's something special about being first, right? What else matters? What else matters? We have to figure out who's first. What is the priority? Because if you say, I have 10 priorities, you can't. It's impossible to have 10 first. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm in running for father of the year. Did y'all realize it? I am. I am in running. I was letting my son play um, in the back of our Jeep the other day. He's two. He looks like he's like four because he's giant because my wife feeds him organic stuff. But um, he's really two, and he wanted to play in the back of the Jeep. And it's a liberty, so the door opens like this. Like the top pops open and it comes out. And he wanted to play in it and crawl over the seat. And it's super dangerous, but I let him do it anyway, okay? And he's playing back there and carrying on. And it was time to go, so I opened the door to get him out. And like any good two-year-old, what did he do? Well, he fell. He lunged. He just started. And he's falling down towards the concrete. And in that moment, I had to make a choice. What's more important? My son, Thomas IV, a.k.a. T4, T4's head or my arm? Choice is easy. His head is more important. So I scooped him. But when I scooped him, I went up against the Jeep and I cut my arm and it was all bruised up. But in the moment, I didn't have a chance to think about it. I didn't have a chance to make a pro and con list. What's more important here? Hmm, which do I value more? What are, the, what are the negative repercussions? No, no, no. You don't have time to do that. You just act. His head is more important than my arm. We have to do that with life. We have to figure out what is your priority. What is first? Because oftentimes you don't have time to sit down and make a list. You've got to make a call right then and there. What am I going to do? Is God first or is it making money first? Is my character first or is my marriage first? Is this job first or is that first? All these things are coming at us. We need to sit down and decide here and now when it's calm, now we're under the influence of anything or hungry or tired or doing whatever. No, no, no. We have to have a clear plan to say, hey, here's the order and live life by it. And live life by it. Can I offend you real quick? Is that okay? Is anyone easily offended? I heard the term snowflake. I thought that was funny. For someone who's... I, I heard millennials are snowflakes. I, I thought that was, that was funny. I think we should do an offended series. Wouldn't that just be fun? We could call it the snowflake series. And do it in winter. And have snow cones and snowmen. I think it would be great. I personally am feeling it. I think we should come up with it. I think that would be great. Right? And each week we say, I'm going to offend you. And you just deal with it. And you just deal with it. Just shut up. Don't email me. I'll give you a fake email address. If you have complaints, email I don't care at ascentchurch.net. Um, you, I mean, I think it would be fun. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to offend you. Just, just deal with it. It's all good. It's all good. Some of you guys... So Jesus said some of us are serving two masters, God and wealth or God in the world. I think some of us aren't serving two masters. I think some of us are serving 10. I think we have 10 commitments, 10 things that we say that's a priority. That's a priority. My health is a priority. My job's a priority. My, my side hustle's a priority. My friends are a priority. My kid is a priority. My other kid is a priority. We say they're all priorities. It doesn't work. In regard to your time, your time on Sunday morning, it comes around. What are we going to do? What's our priority? We're going to serve soccer. We're going to serve baseball. We're going to serve family vacation. We're going to serve job. We're going to serve side hustle. We're going to serve Jesus. We have all these options. We're going to serve sleep. That sounds pretty good. We have all these options. And Sunday morning when the alarm's going off and you're tired and the coffee's not ready yet, it's not a good time to make a decision. Your head's fuzzy. It's cloudy. No, no, no. You have to make it before. What is our priority? What's first for this family? What? is first. We have a podcast up. 
which is cool. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, because I know you're going to miss church. That's fine. We're working on getting the video up of the whole, of the whole service, or at least the sermon. We're, the, the, the team's working hard on that, which is cool. That'll be here soon, because I know you're going to miss service. You can share it with friends. You can watch it. That's just part of life. That's in regard to time, in regard to money. This isn't a sermon on money, but I need to touch on it. Nobody likes talking about money. Everyone just got super uncomfortable. It's great. It's great. Um, there's, a, there's a couple. Okay, so last series was one called The Struggle Bus. Say Struggle Bus. Struggle Bus was fun. We talked about parts of faith we struggle with. Heaven and hell and um, doubt and science and faith. All these difficult things. And there was a family who came and their first Sunday here at church, I talked about hell. For 30 minutes, the whole sermon was on hell. And I met them later, and we were talking, and they were like, yeah, that was our first Sunday. And I was, I was like, I'm so sorry if that was, like, weird. It was like, like you, just, like, you know, it's important to talk about these things, but I'm sorry if that was a little intense and a little much. And, and they, they, said, they just said, well, I'm just glad y'all didn't speak about money. And I think that's hilarious because they're being honest. I think most of us would gladly talk about hell than money, okay? Money, we don't want to talk about it. Makes me uncomfortable. Makes me weird. But in regard to money, we have eight masters. We got the mortgage. We got the car payment, the other car payment. We're saving for, for we got the little college fund here, vacation fund. We, owe, we still owe from Christmas. Christmas is coming up again. How'd that happen, Right? We got the red card, all right? All these things are coming at us. We have to make a decision. Scripture actually makes it easy. I'm not good at math. Most of y'all ain't good at math, unless you're just a super nerd. And if you are, that's okay. The world needs super nerds. But God made it easy because he knew we'd struggle with this. God says, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you an economy. I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you a paycheck. The first bit of it comes back to me. Let's not have to worry about, well, he's third or he's six or well, once we do the mortgage or the food. No, no. He said, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you abundantly. All right. I'm going to bless you abundantly. But as a result, I'm going to give you all this. I want you to give a little bit back to the church, to, 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 to charity, to poor people, to make sure that they are blessed too. That's how I'm going to work in the world. That's what he said. That's what he said. And I know it's offensive. I know we don't like this. But the idea in scripture with giving is we're not really giving, we're returning. There's a big difference between you saying, I want some of your stuff. I'd be like, it's my stuff. God never says that. I want some of your stuff. He said, I want some of my stuff back. I gave you all this. I gave you this health, this intellect, this drive, this passion, this job. Even though the boss is crazy, I gave it to you. Deal with it. I gave you all this stuff. I just want some back to be a blessing to others. That's what he says. And that drives some of us crazy. But that's what he said. He wants to be the priority in our money. In regard to family, who's first? God, spouse, kids, job, side hustle, mother-in-law. That's obvious. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest for a second. And I love you. I'm going to be real, though, just for a second. Don't get mad at me. Maybe I should save this for the Snowflake series. The reality is this. Some of your marriages are jacked up because you've put the kids in front of your marriage. You're like, you're just living with a roommate, right? And you're just raising the kids. Got to get into a good college. Got to do this. And then they, they're empty nesters. They're teenagers. And they leave. And you're like, who are you? What's going on? It's hard. My wife and I, we have an almost three-year-old and like an 11-week-old. I should know that. But um, it's hard. It's hard to make time. You have to be very, very intentional. I'll, I'll make it easy for you. Here's the order. God, then wifey, then kids. Mother-in-law is down near the bottom. <laughs> I'm not saying she's not important, but she's down near the bottom. It's like mother-in-law and then the, the guy who organizes your fantasy football draft. 
I'll write down there. I'm not mad at mothers-in-law. They're great. But you can't have mother-in-law and God and wife and kids all making, all talking, all having an equal voice. They each get a voice, but they don't each get a vote. And there's a big difference in that. There's a big difference in that. You know, I love my sons. I love you sons if you can hear me, but I love mommy more. That's the whole reason you're here is because I love mommy. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? Um, That's just how it works. That's just how it works. It's getting weird. We got to move on. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. I think she's in the back. I'm not going to look at you, honey. Uh, Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Oh, Lord. Here's the solution to anxiety. To the voices. Ready for this? It's going to be good. Jesus said, you got voices coming at you, pulling you different ways, all this stuff going on. Jesus is about to hit us with some truth, all right? Some knowledge, something that's going to shatter your world. It's going to change your life. Look at verse 26. This is what Jesus said to do. He says, look at the birds of the air. Really? That's it? That's the plan? Jesus goes from this wise teacher to this kind of weird guy with like a birding journal, you know? Oh, that was a good specimen of a northern lark. Check. Look at the birds. What does that have to got to do with my family being jacked up? 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Nature is relaxing. Nature is awe-inspiring. You know why? Because it declares the glory of God. It shows how great he is. It shows his majesty. It shows his careful details. Look what it says. It says that nature's talking to us, singing a song. Look at Psalm 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words yet. Right? Right? Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. You know what he said? He said, nature's preaching a sermon. Nature's got a lot to say. Nature's showing who's in charge. And guess what? It isn't you. It isn't you. It isn't you. It shows God's glory, God's details, God's protection. He can knit together um, DNA and supernovas. He can put together and hold together chromosomes and Grand Canyons. That's what he does. And you think he's going to forget about you? He's that great, that big, that detail-oriented, little things we can't even see, and big things we can't even fathom, and you think he's going to forget about you. You are made in his image. He has his hand on you. He has a plan for your life. You think he's going to forget. That's honestly where our fear comes from, where our worry comes from, is we don't think he really, truly, deep down loves us. We think he's going to forget. We think we know what's best. We think, your plan's okay, but I think I know a little better God. Let me relieve the tension a little bit. I came to tell you today... Offensive thing number two, that anxiety is rooted in pride. The more anxiety you have, the more pride you have. The more you say, this is how my life has to work out. I have to get that job. That person has to call me back. I have to get this opportunity. That shouldn't have happened. These are all future things. We are saying, God, I know more about the future than you do. I'm calling the shots. I got this plan. You're going a different way. You don't know what you're talking about. We think we know better than him. It's rooted in pride. Verse 28, it says, And why do you worry about clothes, Jesus said? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even King Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today 
and tomorrow is thrown in the fire. It's temporary. Will he not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Oh, my lanta. He quoted the chatterbox. Did you see it? It's been, go- it's been raging for thousands of years. That's what we say. What are we going to eat? How are we going to pay the bills? Do I look okay? What am I going to wear? What are we going to do? They, they, that's how they thought thousands of years ago. It's how we think today. It's how we think today. When we come to that idea of what shall we wear, um, this is a very spiritual thing I'm about to tell you. It's a very theological thing. When women say I have nothing to wear, they mean we, I have nothing new to wear. Okay? I love my sweet wife. She's a wonderful, godly woman. She's a perfect 10. But every time it's a wedding, I do a lot of weddings. She says, I have nothing to wear. I got nothing to wear, which means I, we, we got to go buy a dress. Okay, okay. When I say I have nothing to wear, I mean I have nothing clean to wear. I have nothing that passes for clean. You do the smell test. You, you guys know about it? Ladies don't know about it. You dig in the, in the dirty clothes and you... And if it passes, you're good. Okay? If it, if you, maybe your wife smells it. Would you smell this? Tell me if this passes. Does it smell kind of clean for you? 32. 32. It says, for the pagans, meaning the unbelievers, they run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Somebody say first. His kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So notice how he starts talking about worry. He starts saying our priorities are out of whack. We have too many bosses calling the shots. Notice how he ends. He talks about worry. He talks about worry. How does he end it? He ends with the same thought. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. He sandwiches it. He first says, look, we got some issues with priorities. He talks about how anxious we are, how much we worry. We're torn. This voice, that voice. We don't know who to listen to. We don't know who to turn to. We don't know who's the boss. And then he closes with the same thought. Seek first him. Seek first his kingdom. And everything will fall into place. 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The solution to anxiety, to worry, to fear, is healthy priorities. Put God first, and everything else will fall into place. Everything else will work out. St. Augustine, probably the most prominent and intelligent and impactful Western theologian of all time, said the problem with our lives, with sin, with our marriages, with all the stuff we have jacked up in our life, is, is disordered loves. We love the wrong things first. Our love for God is not first. Maybe it's third or fourth. But our love for our kids are really first. And as long as God can help me do that, I'm cool with him. Or our love for uh, comfort. That's prior generations. We want comfort. We want to know I'm protected. I'm safe. I'm secure. It's disordered love. So let me close with this. This is John, 1 John 4.18. It says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I came to announce fear is incompatible with love. Fear is incompatible with love. All our anxiety and our worry and our dread and this and that, the stuff that tosses and turns with us at night comes from the fact that we truly deep down believe God doesn't love us. If we honest to God believed he loved us, knew he loved us, if that was the central tenet of your building, of your life, if you were building your entire life and being on that belief, that truth that God loves me, your life would be completely different. You wouldn't care what Brenda in accounting said. Who cares what Linda in HR said about you? Who cares that that dad rolled his eyes at you the other day? Who cares that you don't drive that car? Because the creator and sustainer of the universe loves me, has a plan for me, and he's got my back. So who cares what life throws at me? That's what you got to think. 
That's what you got to think. Fear is incompatible with love. When a child's scared, what does it do? It wants to be held. It wants to feel the love. It wants that comfort. It wants that warmth. It wants knowing that everything is okay. But the challenge is this, y'all. You can't be told that you are loved. Did you know that? You must be shown. Saying, oh, I love you, that's cheap. But you must be shown that we are loved. In Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, he lived the perfect life. And he died the perfect death. Meaning he lived a perfect life of obedience to God. And he died a death that he didn't deserve. He actually died the death we deserve. Because we have sinned. We've separated from God. We deserve God's judgment, his justice, his punishment. We, we deserve that. Jesus took it for us. All that fell down on his head so we may have love and access to the Father and a clear path to him. But you need to realize this about Jesus' death. He didn't, this sounds weird to say, but he didn't die well. Yes, it was, he was crucified. It was a terrible, suffering death. But there were plenty other people who had torturous deaths and their final words were victorious and they didn't shake and they were fearless. Jesus, he kind of becomes unraveled towards the end. Watch this. This is Luke 22. This is the night in which he's betrayed. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Meaning, is there another way? Yet not my will, but your will be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You don't need strength unless you're weak. You don't need encouragement unless you've lost courage. God sent him a little help to pick him up, to keep him going forward, because it hadn't even started yet. But it's as if every step... He got closer to the cross. The more it kind of became real on his heart of what was about to happen. 44, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We don't know if he burst a blood vessel and was literally bleeding. He was in such anguish. Or if he was just sweating so much, he was gushing sweat. As if blood was pouring out of him. We don't know. The point of this, the, the point of it is this, is that he was in anguish. He was in anguish. Mark fifteen thirty seven. With a loud cry, he breathed his last. When you die of being crucified, you die of asphyxiation. You can't breathe. It's not the elements, it's not dehydration. You die of not being able to breathe. For him to, be, for him to have this much air in his lungs, and for him to die with a, with a loud cry, it's odd. It's like he stored it up and just let it out. It's almost, it's almost not a cry, it's a shriek. It's a scream. Jesus screamed. You need to realize this, that Jesus Christ on the cross, he took sin on our behalf. He took our punishment. He took the death we deserve. He took all of that on our behalf. But what you also may have never realized, he took punishment of death. He took sin. He took our guilt. He took our shame. He took isolation from God. He took that cosmic isolation. But what you maybe never realized is he also took fear. He took anxiety. Those are consequences of sin, consequences of disorder. He took it on the cross. He bared it for me and for you. You see, if your view of God is that he's up there on a cloud a million miles away, and if you pray, he may hear you, he might not, he may answer, he might not, that's different. Christianity doesn't teach that. We have a God who can relate to us. If you feel lonely, if you feel desperate, if you're, if you're crying, if you're in anguish, if you don't know what lies ahead because you just lost a loved one, and you're crying, God isn't a million miles away looking down and saying, man, that sucks. That sucks. He's not up there. He's next to you with his arm around you, whispering in your ear. I know how it feels. I know, it feel, I know how it feels to have rejected love. 
I know how it feels to lose a loved one. I know how it feels to be all alone. I know how it feels to get something you feel like you don't deserve. Jesus Christ is a high priest. Not one who's far off, fancy, out there somewhere, but he's one that can relate to us. He can connect with us. Scripture says to cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. He doesn't just say it. He showed it. He showed it on the cross. He took every bit of it, but for some reason we still worry. We still fear. He paid the bill. It's paid in full, but we still feel the need to worry. The next time you're fearful, the next time you're worrying, the next time you're filled with anxiety or anguish or dread, here's what I want you to do. This is not a self-help program. Here's what I want you to do. Just one thing. It's so simple. I want you to look to the cross. Know that we have a God. Know that we have a king who loved you so much that he came down. He came down and lived among us. He experienced fear and anxiety and worry to relate to us and to bear it so that you and I wouldn't have to. Church, may we cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Let us pray. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.